Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Ask Sharifa Podcast. It is Monday morning. We're getting our week off to a wonderful start. We have an amazing guest for you today. alchemist good morning michael how are you pleasure to be here i really appreciate the opportunity my pleasure especially when you are referred by my cousin (laughs) (laughs) that's my cousin benny and we have a show together every thursday at 5 p.m pacific time and it is the weekly review with benny and sharifa so michael tell us a little bit about you what exactly is an acrylic alchemist I'm an artist, and what I do that some artists do, but I think that I do it at another level, is that I take my struggles and my pain and the difficult obstacles that have presented, been presented to me in life, and I use them as a source of fuel to create something positive and beautiful for the world. And then I do what I can to give back and help to give that energy to others and other facets of life so that people can use that energy to better their own lives and situations and to overcome the obstacles that they're dealing with in their own lives. That is wonderful. Now, it sounds from what you're saying and what you're explaining that you must have gone through some obstacles to be able to have this experience and to be able to have given back. How long ago did you start with giving back and what motivated you to do this? The giving back, I think it's been done in varying degrees throughout my life. I think that it's just something that is within some of us. Some of us are empaths and people that are just used to being givers. But I think that I finally reached a point of self-awareness and maturity and growth that I'm able to harness it in more effective ways. And now that I'm a little more mature into my career as well, I'm realizing the importance more and more of that giving back because I I see a lot of lost people. And I think that there are a lot of people that are looking for guidance. And I think that there's a lot of false prophets out there. And there are a lot of misleading and misguiding things out there. And not that I am perfect and nor will I ever be. But I I like to focus on giving some of the good back. Because I think that if all of us just in little doses focused a little more on the good that we could make a huge impact and make a big difference. And I think that a lot of things in life come just down to perspective and mentality and the way that we choose to look at them. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, again, it just seems like you have so much wisdom, so much expertise, but how did you come up? uh, How did you come about it? I noticed just looking at your information scholar, you won the scholar of distinction award in painting. So you have, this is a skill that you have learned This you have, um, it to a certain extent you didn't just wake up and say okay let me start painting so what motivated you to get to the point where you said you know what let me use this skill let me use this art to improve the world art's always been the way that i've felt that is really the only way that i've ever been able to successfully communicate with the world i've always been somewhat of an outcast and out of place that i felt mm-hmm. and art just gave me my voice and i think that a lot of us are trying to find our voices. And so art always gave me that. And I think that it's something that over time, because I just continued to do it and I just got to work, that I started to just notice little glimpses of light here and there where people would acknowledge 
the difference that I was making that perhaps I wasn't even aware of. And then overall in life, it's just been a matter of failing. I'm, I'm a guy that has failed a lot, mm-hmm. but I look at failure as not necessarily even failure, but I look at it as pushing aside the things that were not working. And I think that by sheer odds of statistics and probability that if I get those things out of the way that didn't work, I have to be moving closer to something that does work. And I think that that's a valuable message that can be applied to everybody. And I think that I'm able to convey that in a way that people are receptive to taking in because I think people are more and more receptive to art and alternative forms of communication in this day and age. Okay. So when we say art, what, what do you, what is the type of art that you do? Do you um, paint? Well, let me just allow you to answer that question. What is your art form? Because there are a lot of different art forms. The art form is acrylic alchemy. But to break that down for other people, if you were to say, what are the techniques that you use? And what are your fundamentals and your basis? I'm primarily an acrylic painter, uh, which is why the acrylic alchemist. And the alchemy component really just comes into the energy that's applied to it and the utilization of it. But I'm primarily an acrylic based painter. And a lot of people that are not familiar with my work may look at it at first glance and just think that I make non-objective abstract work. But I actually come from strong fundamentals where I used to be a representational artist, paint very realistic images of things, German shepherds on abstract color grids. And then once I learned to hone my craft and I felt like I could really paint anything and convey any message that I wanted, then it became more important for me to draw from the mind. And so, whereas I talk about my work being abstract, there is actual imagery in my work, though some may not see it. And what I like to say is that as every story has a past, present, and future, what may at first glimpse appear to be non-objective abstraction is actually energetic imagery interacting and breathing through the boundlessness of space and time. So I think that what I'm trying to do is capture moments in past, present, and future. So there, it's just energy moving throughout time and space. Oh, wow. And have you always been able to do this? I mean, are you one of those people? I'd love to ask this. This is one of my favorite questions because I'm one of those people. I've always said that I wanted to be one of those people who always knew what they wanted to do from literally birth. Like I have a cousin right now who I remember when he was years old, he would walk around the house with a spoon and he would literally interview people. But now he's in Atlanta and he's on Channel 5 as a news reporter. So all our lives, we always knew that he would wind up being a reporter. Now, I am blessed with the gift of gab and I host a podcast show as well as a video cast. And I talk, I earn my living speaking to people, but I never as a child would see myself and say, Oh, one day I'll be a podcast host or a radio host or interviewing people. I just always love to talk to the point where I went out. I drove my mother crazy because she was like, you just talk and talk and talk. Were you one of those people that always felt or always knew that you would be an artist? I think a part of me did. And I think going back to what you were saying, I think a lot of us innately as children have a calling and we know what that calling is in our souls. And I think what happens a lot of times is that perhaps the voice isn't quite as loud or we don't see a clear path like with an artist. You're going to paint pictures with somebody that likes to talk. Maybe that avenue isn't quite as clear, but you still knew what your calling was in your soul, it sounds like. And I Mm -hmm. think that a lot of times what happens is that 
conditioning through life and pushback from other people just quiets that voice of our calling a little bit. And so I think it was a little bit more of that I continued to listen to the voice, even though it got quieter at moments of my life. And I just held on to it. And I kept coming back to it to the point that I realized I need to listen to this voice because it's the loudest voice in my head. And if I don't listen to this, I'm going to be living a life of regret. And I think that a lot of people that, that choose to quiet those voices are going to be living lives of regret. And so I think people need to listen to that voice a little bit more. And I think that that innately will contribute to having that better energy and people wanting to give back more because I think people will be doing what they are really meant to be doing by living their callings. Well, that is beautiful. That almost sounds like a, a book. I don't know if you've written that book, but it sounds very interesting. <laughs> now, when you mentioned a life of regret, to me, that sounds like you were working some job that didn't in, allow you to be artistic, whether that was in the corporate world, the retail world, whatever it was. Was that your experience? Not only was that my experience, but I'll be completely candid because I, I want to encourage people that are pursuing dreams. I still hold another job on top of this mm -hmm. and for a while it was because I wanted to be pragmatic and I wanted to have a level of balance and I wanted to have a lot of resources and that meant holding another job that also helped me to build my skills and abilities to talk and sell my work so there was opportunity within that position to provide me with the skills to help me as an artist but I'm reaching a point now where that voice in my head is getting louder and louder and saying okay, you built the skills now. Now you really need to be 100% in this because you've been 99%, but you haven't been 100. And so now I'm trying to make that shift. And in it, the effort to make that shift, I feel like the universe is going to present me with the opportunities. But I really feel like my place is more, not only just with creating my own work, but with helping to educate people about art, talking to people about inspiration and really helping people to find their calling. So I really feel like the universe is pushing me more in a direction of teaching. But some of us at times just don't have the resources. And so we have to do what it takes. And that's what a calling in a dream requires. Is it requires us to do whatever it takes to make it happen. And so the part of my journey was that it required me to hold on to these other things that maybe were not the ideal things that I wanted to do, but they were necessary components of my story to give me the resources to then get to this point in my career. That makes perfect sense. Now, let's discuss making that shift. You decided, you were aware that you wanted to make that shift and the universe is pushing you to make that shift. What are some of the steps that you are taking or have taken to be able to make that shift? Have you launched your website? Have you set up more um, places to showcase your art? Are you showing your social media? Like, What are some of the tangible things that you're doing in order to be able to make that shift? All of those things. I'm doing anything and everything. So social media, absolutely. I'm up every single morning posting on every social media platform because as an artist, those are the perfect platforms for me to oftentimes show my work for free in addition to the paid advertising that can be done. Uh, your, your cousin Vinny, he got me onto his podcast and that was just a couple weeks ago. That was the very first podcast that I ever did. And That's I fantastic. love the experience of it. Thank you. And and then he pushed me over and said, you got to talk to this woman. She's absolutely fantastic. And I think that you guys would be able to have a great conversation. So here we are on, on podcast too. And then on Friday with Vinny, I was doing a career day lecture at Cathedral Catholic High School. And my speech very much went into not just being an artist, but helping people to pursue their callings. 
And I also just recently launched my e-commerce site, trying to make my work more accessible on a national and international level. Because I think for a long time, I was focused a little too much on just doing gallery shows. And sometimes the opportunities there are few and far between. And sometimes the sales just don't come. And also when it comes to artwork, if you're only selling large originals that cost many thousands of dollars, you could be missing a big mark. And part of what my work is, is because my work is very much focused on struggle, is that my audience is an audience that comes from struggle. There are people that may not have the resources to buy a painting for several thousand dollars, but they may have the resources to buy an inspirational shirt or a small canvas that's $30, $40. So I've been trying to make deeper connections with my audience and make my work more accessible to them and sort of fill in the gaps. So I think we all see what our goals are and where we want to go in the big picture, but I think it's just a matter of looking at the baby steps and filling in the gaps and that will kind of boost us and kind of push us up closer to those goals. Absolutely. One of the things that we're going to do moving forward is just really stop trying and focus on doing because you are doing it. You're not trying to do it. You are absolutely doing it and you are making it happen. So on your social media, what are some of your social media links that our viewers can see you on? My Facebook page is Karini Arts, or if you want to just friend my personal page michael carini uh, i'm absolutely happy to take everybody on because the truth is is that my personal page and my business page they're essentially the same content because my life is my art and and vice versa it, it's all synchronized and you can't separate the two you can find me on instagram at acrylic alchemy and every weekend now another thing that i'm doing is i'm doing live q a's so that people can jump on. We can talk about art. We can talk about business. We can talk about inspiration, whatever you want to do. Uh, really, you can find me posting just about anywhere and everywhere. I'm, I'm on Twitter, but I, I prefer to stick to more of the visual-based applications because I'm an artist. So I think that the visuals really captivate people's energy. also have my new blog on kariniarts.com where I'm starting to add more pieces and experience there including some of the collaborations that I've been doing because I've recently started collaborating with some of my favorite musicians I've recently done projects with Cypress Hill and with Abstract and Lucidius and one of the things that I speak on a lot is suicide awareness and suicide prevention and one of the artists that I recently collaborated with Lucidius it was a suicide awareness piece where we brought my painting to life through animation effects and then we tied it to a song, a track that he did based on suicide prevention. And then I recently just had an art opening for that as well. So I'm really kind of trying to just really connect absolutely everything. And going back to what you said, it's true. You got to start doing because everybody says, well, I'm not quite ready. But the truth is, is we're never ready. None of us are ever ready for anything. Even this morning uh, for this podcast, I was like, am I ready for this? I'm really nervous. I don't know if I'm ready for this, but I put in the time and the effort. And if you put in the time and the effort, you just got to dip your feet in the water. That's beautiful advice. Words of wisdom. And the thing about it, I've done um, thousands of interviews. I've been interviewing since 2009 when I launched my first blog talk radio show. And I was so nervous. But the thing is, I still get nervous. I get nervous before every video cast. I get nervous before every podcast, before every conversation, because I'm a perfectionist to a certain extent. And I want to give my best. So there's always going to be those that sense of nervousness because you don't you don't always know if you if 
it's going to be the best, but you jump out there, you do it and you make it happen. And just listening to you, I can definitely tell that you are someone that we're going to look up and we're going to see everywhere, whether it's billboards, television, but we're definitely going to see a lot more of you, your energy, your, your intellect, what you're doing is so positive. And so just hearing that one of the things that kind of confused me is your definition of the boy in the box. So I want you to expand that a little bit, because to me, just just in listening to you, it sounds like you're someone who's completely out of the box. I am. I'm definitely a person that thinks differently. In fact, my motto is don't be afraid to be different, be afraid to be the same. But the boy in the box was sort of a deviation from a previous body of work I did that was very rigid and geometric because I'm a person that is very much an introvert and I'm very much somebody that likes homeostasis and consistency and I love geometry. So I was doing very hard edge geometric work. And then the boy in the box was about me learning to let go of all of that sort of like Picasso said, uh, learn to be a pro essentially so that you can throw away all the rules. And so what I was starting to do was I was just trying to learn to paint like a child again and just to be very loose and fluid and to paint from the soul. And not that the works that I was previously doing lacked soul because I feel like they definitely had it. But part of growth is pushing yourself to do things you haven't done before. So just deviating from things that I had done before, getting back to the reasons that I really enjoyed painting of being a child without thinking about the business side of it, because knowing that that would follow and providing that energy of looseness as, as an adult, as a grown man that's, that's turned in 35, to be able to paint like a child again, I think that that's the hardest thing to do because we've been ingrained and indoctrinated with all these things that we're supposed to do and that we're supposed to be and that they're supposed to have these qualities. And you look at a child's drawings and there's just a quality of innocence and soul and beauty to that. Okay, I still have to go back to the one question that I really want to get that's tangible. It's like you're going through all these metamorphoses. That's what I would call it. That's what I'm hearing. It's like you're changing, you're evolving, you're adapting. You're you're going from the caterpillar into the butterfly. But for you, what do you feel is motivating that change? Like, is, is it all of a sudden something that happened in your personal life, maybe your work life? You were sitting at your desk one day and you said, you know what? I know there has to be something more because that's one of the most often asked questions from our viewers is what sends you off on a certain path like what happens to where you say you know what coach it this way I think it comes from being on the bottom so many times in my life and Mm -hmm. realizing that I didn't want to be there any longer and I could have just easily sat there because it was a place of comfort that I was used to Mm -hmm. and I just didn't want that I got tired of it and I thought you know what if I'm so uncomfortable with being here on the bottom then what's the worst that can happen for me making an effort to go after anything and everything that I've ever wanted? And in particular, I've had a number of just major, major blows, literally, that have knocked me off my feet. And in fact, April 27th, of so just a few weeks away from now, marks the 10-year anniversary of an assault and battery that put me in the hospital with multiple facial fractures, severe eye trauma, and a concussion. Oh, wow. That's horrible. And what I saw flashing in my head during that concussion was this shape that looked very much like synapse firing. And I now have that shape tattooed on my arm. And a lot of people look at it and they say, oh, is is that a synapse? Is it a a tree? Is it a root? And essentially, they're all right, because what it is, is it represents life growing from death. And so Mm -hmm. I used that experience that knocked me off my feet as a catalyst to 
to do something and create something beautiful. And that was the thing that initiated, to answer your question, my series, The Upside of Down. And The Upside of Down was about finding the upside of terrible things that happened to us because terrible things are going to happen to all of us. Some of us more than others. Some of us are going to get dealt some blows that are just, we just don't deserve them, but it happens. And so you can talk about how you don't deserve it, or you can try to find a way to deal with it and do something about it. And I got to work and I used all of that energy and all of that pain to create this work. And in regards to the person that was on the other side of the experience, the person Uh, that assaulted me he ended up reaching out to me a few years later and i invited him back into my home uh, which i think caught him off guard because that was the same place that this incident actually happened and i told him i said honestly i forgave you that night in the hospital because it knocked sometimes i think when you're dealing with stuff emotionally you almost need to get punched physically to 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 be woken up and it, it really woke me up and so i told him i was actually very grateful for the situation i had no ill will towards him and I, I think that we all make mistakes in life. And I would hope that I, if I ever made a really, really terrible mistake like he did and, and he was willing to acknowledge his mistake, that somebody would forgive me. And I don't think a lot of people would be willing to show that forgiveness. And so it was important to me that I set the example by showing him that forgiveness that he wasn't even expecting or feeling that he deserved. Because I may have took the beating physically, but I could see how the experience was still hurting and crushing him. And so I ended up giving him one of the paintings from the series to give to his daughter. And he and I are now friends on Facebook. There's no ill will whatsoever. In fact, when I post the story and I'm going to post it in a few weeks and I'm sure some people are going to say some negative things about him, but it actually bothers me and hurts me when people say negative things about him because we all make mistakes. Some of us make terrible mistakes, but social media allows us to kind of put people under a microscope and I think unfairly judge people based on glimpses of information without knowing complete stories and the things that are going on behind the scenes. Oh, well, listening to you literally brought tears to my eyes, and I can just feel the just love. Oh, love. That's what I want to give more than anything else, because it just, your example just truly shows how you're a king among men, because people would be able to do what you're willing to do. Now, there are people, there are quite a lot of people who would be willing to forgive. And sometimes when we forgive, that's just a, just what they call, um, you know, speak. We, we just say we forgive, you know, and sometimes we do forgive in our hearts. But for you to allow the person back into your house, to allow the person back into your life, that is rare. That is very rare. And I completely understand. That's why sometimes I push for no, the one thing that I know that I know that I know is that there was a reason that all this is happening to you because I always tell people I would not be where I am today if not for everything that I've gone through, you know, being married and divorced twice, being homeless twice, being laid off over seven times, losing everything I owned, you know, different incidents that happened to me. But I always say I those so I can relate to other people. I can relate to their stories. I can relate to their pain and use that pain and that struggle to be able to help someone else. You know, also being a business consultant, someone who is here to motivate other people to be able to get that they want. I always remind people 
that when they come to me and they say, Sharifa, I would really love to start my own business. I would really love to be able to, you know, have a big house. I would love to be an author. I would love to be a painter, whatever it is. And then they say to me, well, you know, I can't do it because um, I only have a third grade education or I can't because of this reason, or I can't do it because I'm a single mom. I, I always tell people, I don't care what it is, that you can do whatever you want, no matter what your past is, no matter what your circumstances is. So I applaud you. And this is one of those t- applaud, applaud music or something, because I'm applauding you. Um, I just love what you had to say. And it explains about the boy in the box. So again, let's go back to a little bit of where people can find your art. Not only your art, you mentioned that you also have inspirational apparel and accessories. Can you speak a little bit about those things? Yeah, and and going kind of with what you said is that the inspirational components of my work in terms of the writing came from an art journal that I started around 2011. And it's because I was basically homeless and didn't have any resources and I couldn't paint. And so I painted these words of hope for myself in this journal, hoping that it would satiate the desire to create just enough until I could get back to the point of being able to paint again. And then once I got back to the point of being able to paint again, I went back to that journal and I thought, you know what? A lot of people are in that place and don't even have a journal to write in or don't even know what to put in that journal or don't know how to deal with that. And so I started sharing those messages of hope that I think that other people may be dealing with. And so now I've been able to put those on some apparel, on some shirts, on some hoodies. I've also got some leggings available, sports bras for those that like to work out because I'm big about working out because I believe that I believe in being strong mentally and physically. And I believe that behaviors and patterns and rituals are what determine how our life goes. So I think that having discipline in those areas then leads to me having discipline in my art. And I really try to touch upon hope because you really don't know where people are coming from and and what people are going through. And just to kind of touch upon one other uh, situation, because you were asking about the falls and and the experience is, and there have been many is, and when I was talking about this on Friday, when I was doing the career day lecture is that I went through points in my life and dating back to when I was a young kid of, of questioning whether life was even worth living. And when I was 28 years old, after coming off this period of, of basically being homeless when I had done that art journal, I had an opportunity for an artist residency and I made a bunch of work downtown on Broadway Avenue in San Diego. And then afterwards I was contacted by my biological father's family because they saw one of the videos of me working during this residency. And so the a little synopsis of the backstory there was I had always been told that my biological father died in a car accident, didn't know much about him, didn't have any connection with his family. They found me through this video and reached out to me. And the first thing that my aunt said to me was, do you know how your father died? And I said, he died in a car accident. And she said, no, he shot himself on your mother's 21st birthday. Oh, wow. I almost had the same end that my father did without even knowing it. And so from 28 to 33, I spent five years working on a project called Rain Upon Sunrise. And it was important that I debuted it in the spring of me being 33 because of the idea of the sun being reborn and I wanted to be reborn. So I spent five years working on this meditative project that was very different from anything that I had ever done before. And people didn't really even know that I was working on it. And the project culminated with me painting the suicide note that my father never left. Mm. And so this project was five years worth of work about being reborn, 
And I think that in writing that note, I was also able to give my biological father's family a little bit of peace. And I think that if we really kind of just tackle the things that we deal with head on, we can get through them. But I think we throw them in the closet and then they resurface and we're not prepared to deal with them. But if you look at right in the eyes and you, and you go after it and you deal with it, it builds that fortitude and strength and you sharing that strength with other people, I think, gives them the strength to deal with theirs. And so maybe there's somebody else out there that needs your strength. And I feel like if you have the strength to deal with something, then you have the responsibility to show that strength for others that may not have it right now, but they could very well have it. Wow. I love that. Now, let me just ask you, can you talk a little there? Do you have any mentors or anyone in your life? I'm just listening to you. I'm like, how did you get so wise? Was there someone who loved you past the pain, some mentor that stepped in, or you just, this information just comes to you um, telepathically? Like, how do you, how did you get this wise? I had to learn to love myself through the pain because I was always the person there for other people, but did not have somebody there for me. Mm -hmm. And so I, one day came across an Eric Thomas video. And so every morning now starts with Eric Thomas and Les Brown and learning to love yourself and learning to deal with these things. And so my mentors are just the people that I listen to when I'm working and I take those messages. And I think a lot of people can take the messages and, and reiterate them. They can speak the stuff, but it comes down to what you mentioned earlier. It comes down to living it. And I actually apply these things to my life and it has taught me to learn to love myself. And that is a constant work in progress. And in fact, one of the pieces that I did back in around 2009 was called, I will never let you love me because I could never love myself. Mm. And then in 2016, I came back and did another piece that was called, I will finally let you love me because I learned to love myself. Mm. That is deep, 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 deep. You are a deep man, Michael, I'll tell you. Now we are coming down to the last few minutes of the show. And I always allow my guests the opportunity to speak directly to the listeners and let them know what you want them to take away from your interview. I just want to say to everybody that's listening, thank you for the opportunity to just share my story with you and that I am a starving artist. I'm starving for opportunity. I'm starving for growth. I'm starving to share my story. And with the type of business that I run is a small business, a one man show. I am very much, even though I, I have done a lot, I'm trying to get off my feet. And so I am not afraid or ashamed to ask for help. I need your help getting this store off the ground and launching. Uh, every little bit helps and every purchase, no matter how small or opportunity, helps put pain on the table for me so that I can share my story and help other people grow. So please check out KariniArts.com. And even if you're just a, a listener and, and taking in the story and it's going to apply to your life, thank you. And that is beautiful. Again, I'm going to personally ask you, check out .com. Go ahead and check out Karini Arts on Facebook. Michael Karini is our guest today. And as always, appreciate everyone for tuning in. Thank you, Michael, for being a guest on today's episode. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're welcome. And please go ahead and share this interview because friends don't let friends miss out on Ask Sharifa. Until next time, I'm your host, Sharifa Hardy. If you're interested in being a guest in sponsorship opportunities or listening to or watching more of our interviews, be sure to check them out at AskSharifa.com.
When you're looking to buy or rent a property, you need FireballApproves.com. They protect you against renter fraud and much more. Give us a call today at 904-580-6740 before you shop. If Fireball approves it, then you can rest assured that it's a safe deal. Why go anyplace else? With over 20 years of experience, you bet we've got your back. That's FireballApproves.com. Don't get scammed. Make sure Fireball approves. Agency number A180. 00175. If you want to take your business to the next level, then you need InTheNewsPR.com. It's the perfect PR agency that can increase your business exposure along with your media interest through thoughtful storytelling and strategic media campaigns. That's InTheNewsPR.com. Give us a call at 562-822-0965 and see how we can get your company in the news. From marketing and social media to public relations and interviews, we've got it covered. That's InTheNewsPR.com. Make sure everyone knows your business.